Welcome to Joanna and the Maestro. Hello, Maestro. Which composer would you least like to meet down a dark alley well, at night Well, that's nighttime? jolly easy, oh, because if you know your history, you wouldn't want to meet Gesualdo <gasps> down a dark alley because he actually murdered his wife. Oh, well, you're not a woman. At least he wouldn't come murder you. You could give him no, a he was a jealous up. man. He was, he a, was jealous. a jealous man. And oh, well, he, then he'd he, have he to actually, be after you. He caught them at it, and he was too grand a man to even be prosecuted for it. My son, obviously not my son, but this is a question. My son has got his exams coming up, and I've heard that classical music can be good for concentration. Can you suggest something? Now, this is amazing to me because... As soon as music's on, I can't do anything else. But still, children nowadays concentrate to music. It's a proven fact. It concentrates the mind. I mean, I could not do that, but musicians are different any more than you could stand working while you were listening to Shakespeare's King Lear. But it is a proven fact that it helps concentration. So it's Mozart or Haydn, which have a lovely simple form to them. Mm. And I suspect... Bach, too. Mm. It's absolutely amazing. I mean, music actually affects mental well-being. Mm. And it's also a known fact that patients suffering from terrible dementia still remember melodies and music. Mm. So it's a much more important part of our lives than we give it credit for. Do you think it's like water, that we're mostly made up of music? We've just forgotten well, that's kept you quiet. S.A. Wright, I think it's, or R-A-I-T-T. But S.A. Wright, Wright or Wright, I'm not sure who you are, but I love you already for writing and saying, please, Maestro, <laughs> could you explain a little more about how you interpret the score and how you influence the orchestra to play how you want them to? How do you do that? And I want to link that up also with Mary Hitchcock, who said, battles, are they better with or without, and when and why and what and who... Mary's keen. She wants an answer on this battle thing, Stevie. But can we start off with Wright's great or Wright's great question? How do you get the orchestra to play the way you want? <laughs> on a very simple level, how do you interpret a score? Well, first of all, you have to get to know it very well, so that you know what's coming next, where the climaxes are, what the coloration in the orchestra is. Or if it's an opera, you have to know the libretto inside out so that you can begin to understand why the composer wrote the notes that he or she did. So there's an enormous amount of background. A conductor really has to have all this inside their brains and their hearts in order to be able to say on a given day... This is how we're going to do it. And then the simple thing is to do with how you shape the music. And by shape, I mean how fast will it go? The orchestra is made up of masses of people who've all got their own ideas. Obviously, we've talked about this before. Let's choose something quite simple like Beethoven's Eroica, i.e. not simple at all, listeners. But something like that, which I know, that's the only reason I'm saying it. And I've heard many, many versions of it, let's put it like that. And I know which my favourites are. How do you get your favourite version, i.e. your version of it, across to an orchestra who knows it also terribly well and has got their own ideas of it? Are you able to dominate them or do you lead them or or do you show them or do you praise them? Yep, well, all of the above, if they're relevant. There are two ways, really, to persuade people what you want. One is to talk about it endlessly, try and tell them. 
I can tell by the face that you've got Yes, on. conductors talking. Look, let's put it this way. Talking to an orchestra is virtually the most useless thing you can do. If you have to talk to them and explain something, then there's something wrong. By that I mean there's something wrong in the way that you are conducting it. Now, I'm taking this question as how do you influence an orchestra to play the way you want them to. That is where the technique, the physical technique, becomes absolutely prevalent. And if you watch a conductor like Daniel Barenboim, you can see a myriad gestures. Some of them will be direct, a simple point at the bottom of a beat, and the beat will stop. That's what we call a point of a beat. And that means utter clarity. And on the other hand, with Barenboim, sometimes he stops entirely and takes a handkerchief out of his pocket <laughs> and mops the sweat because he knows that he can afford to do that because the music is going the right way. But on the other hand, he will have a flowing motion, unbroken flowing motion. And what I'm doing is waving my hand very slowly mm -hmm. as if it's suspended like a, on a puppet string from right to left. And within that, you can sh still show a beat, but that implies smoothness. It implies depth of sound. And in between all of those, you, the, the simple point, sharp point with a beat that stops and a flowing beat are so many variations of gesture, which actually is to a certain extent balletic. The way that you do that indicates colour and all sorts of things in various types of music. When I first met you, Stevie, and I was pretty dazzled, still am, but um, <laughs> when, you, when you went show off... Show me, show me, when show you, me. When you went off to do concerts, but mostly operas, and you'd have your, your suit carrier and all the things that you had to take with you, and usually the score, sometimes the score was down there if you're doing something again and again, the, the full score would be down there. But then you'd have this lovely little cylindrical case, which was where you kept your sticks. I soon learned not to say batons, I'd say sticks. And I'd say, Maestro, have you got your sticks? And I felt frightfully in. And once I opened them up and shook them out, and they were, they've got sort of smooth, a smooth little cork bit which you hold in your hand, and then a long, slim, or sometimes a shorter, or sometimes a very long sort of wand coming out from it. And you'd choose different ones, and I never knew which ones you liked best, and sometimes you'd open up one of these rattling cylinders and go, ah, and race off and find something else. And I felt anxious because <laughs> I hadn't been a good stick tender. Now, when you go, do you just have one, or do you have a choice of them? Or do you always use the same stick for, let's say, an opera? And if you're conducting a very small group of people, I've noticed you use your hands. And why then is a hand better than so on? <laughs> Could you answer all these questions? Asking conductors why they use that particular kind of stick is very personal indeed. It's like wands. It's Harry Potter. Um, and the wands, you get the wand to suit you. Everybody lands up <laughs> with, with something they're happy with. Adrian Bolt had famously very long batons. It could have been as long, I mean, you know, old-style batons. Stephen holds were, his hand out. What, 18 about, inches? Yeah. More. Yeah. Very long. I prefer short sticks. The stick in, in your hand is an extension of your arm, but it's useless if it is immobile in your hand. 
it has no life of its own. Mm. If somebody conducted like that with an absolutely rigid arm and a rigid stick, you'd just look like a puppet. So really the point of it is it has a little bulb at the end of it, or some people like a little oblong of cork, just to keep it in your, uh, keep your grip. And the correct way is to develop a technique where the battle becomes another... A digit? No. You, because you move it, don't you? So that's the point. It's a fully movable extra limb from your hands. Does it matter if you're left or right-handed? Do you always hold it in your right hand? There are very, 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 very few left-handed conductors. There are a great deal of left-handed sportsmen. Yes, you've got a theory about that. It's to do with I have. tennis players having very close eyes. Yes, the closer a tennis player's eyes are together, the more likely he is to become a world champion. Don't let's get into no, that. Case. Because the left-handed conductors don't really... I think... They're, they're really... Well, look, Paul McCartney <laughs> restrung his guitar because he was left-handed so yes. that he could play it, but he restrung the strings. Yes. Violin players don't do that, do they? They all play with the, with nope. the instrument under their left side, yeah, don't yeah. they? I've come across, in all these years, four decades, I've come across a left-handed viola player, mm. which is obviously strung the other way. So these things are possible, but in a string section, of course. You don't want to because you're sitting and sawing you, into somebody you, else's precisely, instrument. Precisely, yeah. so it, it needs a little handling. But look, yes, we look, don't Harry, want to Mary wants to know we, just, she wants we the final thing, with why, when. The, yes, exactly, quick. right. Now, the story about stick or no stick, there are a lot of divisions between conductors and their different techniques. Gergiev, for example, is usually seen without a stick, but not always. There's a famous video YouTube of him using a toothpick conducting Wagner. <laughs> and I think he was having a bit of a laugh. But, but it, it, it was making the point that, you know, I'm conducting very small. You better all be very, very careful. He, he likes a bit of power, does Gergiev. But the way I think of it, I was introduced to it by Andrew Davis, Sir Andrew Davis at Kleinborn, when I was assisting him on Strauss's Die Schweigsame Frau, Silent Woman which I then conducted some performances of. And I saw that at the end of the opera, there's a wonderful, slow, romantic, quiet piece, which is mainly for a big string sound, very soft. And I saw him put his baton down on the stand and he conducted that section with no stick. Now, I know exactly why he did that. Because the lack of a point, which is what a baton has, when you don't use it, it turns your hand into a much more flexible point of focus for a conductor. So he was leaving room in the beat for string players to fill. And I noticed, too, that the string sound was wonderful. And I can guarantee you that if he'd simply carried on conducting with a stick, the sound would have been different. I know when I want to use the stick and I know when I don't. Thank you, Maestro. All music for the intro is supplied courtesy of Naxos Music UK. Mozart's Exultate Jubilate K165, performed by Pretty Coles, Camerata Casovia, and conducted by Johannes Wildner. Licensed courtesy of Naxos Music UK Limited. <laughs>